The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back here, folks, on Big Blue View for our continued off-season coverage of the New York Giants. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by Chris Flum and Nick Filato, as today we are going to start our off-season positional preview series as we will go through every single position group on the New York Giants roster, filling you in on the headlines you need to know, discussing every single player down the depth chart pitching in our thoughts on if we think certain guys will make the roster, if certain guys will start, all of those great tidbits. Before we get into it, though, folks, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five-star review, and then also head to BigBlueView.com for more fantastic Giants coverage. So today is going to be quarterbacks, and this is probably going to be the least eventful show in terms of talking cuts and who's going to be starting where, just for the simple reason that... We already know who the starting quarterback is, but but as we're going to do with every single one of these shows, we're going to go down the depth chart and we are going to talk about these guys. And then the second half of the show is going to be very, very heavy on Daniel Jones. So, guys, we know already off off the rip that Daniel Jones is the starting quarterback. There's not really much of a, a situation here where they brought in somebody to maybe compete with him in his third year. It's not that type of a quarterback situation, but I think the expectation right now for Daniel Jones, guys, is him needing to step up in this third year because all of this money has been spent and pooled on the offensive side of the ball. They brought in a ton of weapons. They spent draft picks, a first round draft pick on a wide receiver. The expectation right now seems like for Daniel Jones that he needs to get them over the hump. He needs to stop making the errors that he did in his first two years in the NFL because this team right now is primed and ready to be competitive. Yeah, I would say that that might be the biggest question regarding the Giants is will Daniel Jones take that step forward? And, you know, they really need him to. They made him six overall pick. They have, like you said, invested a ton of resources, draft capital, uh, free agent money, uh, salary cap dollars 
into surrounding him with talent and you know they've got a ton of coaches around him they've got jason garrett they elevated Freddie kitchens to a well a, a new position that seems to be much higher in the uh, coaching staff pecking order so they are really trying to set the stage for him to take the next step or maybe ideally take a leap into proving that he is their franchise quarterback yeah, Chris, you're right. And that next step for Freddie Kitchens is just to kind of alleviate the, the the fact that he had a position group last year. Now I think he's going to be coming in as more of a, a schemer to help assist Jason Garrett with that because he was a tight ends coach last year. Now you have Derek Dooley who can handle those responsibilities and hopefully Kitchens can kind of like, like we saw when Colt McCoy started in that Cleveland game. We saw some little different types of wrinkles when Jason Garrett did not coach that game because he had COVID. Saw some different types of wrinkles. Hopefully we can see a little bit more of that within Jason Garrett's offense when it comes to Freddie Kitchens. And hopefully that will help Daniel Jones use all these weapons and kind of get the most out of the X receiver that Jason Garrett loves, the most out of the Y tight end that Jason Garrett loves in Kyle Rudolph, if Kyle Rudolph is healthy. And then the X factor with all of this would end up being, to me, Kadarius Tony, because I'm not 100% certain how they're going to utilize his skill set, which is, to me, I mean, you could do so many different things with him. I, I've seen on Twitter people throw, oh, yeah, he's raw out there, and I get it. He, he didn't he doesn't have a lot of snaps as a wide receiver, but he has nuance, man, as a route runner. And I know we've talked about that, and this isn't a wide receiver show. We'll save that. But I do believe that can help Daniel Jones a lot because Daniel Jones is going to need it. Daniel Jones has turned the football over more than anybody in the National Football League in the last two seasons combined. So that needs to get cleaned up. And let's face the fact right here. That there's some pressure on Daniel Jones because you have to make a decision next year in next May if you're going to pick up his fifth-year option. Yeah, and that really is going to be a huge decision for the Giants. I mean, we know the salary cap is going to be going up. Uh, they have to make a decision about Saquon Barkley. I think we can, you know, we can talk about that when we get to the running backs show. But you know, right now, Daniel Jones has played to a level where I think it really is a decision they have to make. It's it's not a no brainer that they pick up that fifth year option right now, and you know we know and we have seen just what kind of an advantage having a starting quarterback on a rookie contract is for teams and i think that really has compressed the development timeline for a lot of teams like you know we saw arizona move on from josh rosen in a heartbeat like they didn't waste any time going to from josh rosen to kyler murray because not only do you need a quarterback who you can have on have starting for you on that rookie contract you need a quarterback who can you not only you can win with but be the reason why you win and i think that's an important distinction to make and honestly i think right now for this this upcoming third season for daniel jones and we're going to spend some time in the second half talking about the impacts of all the additions that they made you mentioned some of the coaching adjustments that might help him out and as much of this is a situation where daniel jones should take a step forward and improve in some direction in 2021 based on everything that they put around him the other thing, the other angle here is that the pressure is even higher for Daniel Jones now that they've done all these things. Because if you can't succeed after making all those moves, then at what point are you going to be successful in the NFL? That, And we're going to take some time. I think I'm going to save towards the end before we can actually really uh, expand upon that point because there's potential for him to maybe be on the hot seat depending on how things turn out in 2021. 
But moving our way down the depth chart a little bit more, Mike Glennon is the expected backup for this Giants roster. Not like last season where we were debating who the backup was going to be if if maybe uh, Colt McCoy had some competition or but right now it just seems like it's going to be Mike Glennon somebody that they brought in as a free agent Colt McCoy does not return what are your guys thoughts on Mike Glennon Chris you mentioned before the show that they maybe brought him in so they can stretch the field a little bit more in the event that Daniel Jones can't play yeah I, I think the biggest difference between Colt McCoy and Mike Glennon is the fact that Mike Glennon has a massive arm. That is his defining characteristic as a quarterback. He has the range of a jugs machine and all of the mobility of a jugs machine. You know, <laughs> he he is not going to be playing outside the pocket. He's not going to be breaking out on bootlegs or scrambling and scampering or doing all of the various West Coast things that Colt McCoy was able to do. But what he can do is reach every part of the field and I think that combined with going out and getting Kenny Galladay getting John Ross getting Kadarius Tony who's got all of that speed I, I think that really does signal that this team wants to start looking down the field you know they I think want to go back to a more Coughlin-esque offense where they attack deep and try to run the ball you know play a smash mouth running game and then force the defense to start cheating defensive backs up and then attack deep. Say, I, I don't think that is really the type of football that Colt McCoy could play. So they went out and got a backup who can do that. I would love to see that as well because Jason Garrett, it seemed like his entire philosophy last year was we're going to call three plays to get 10 yards. We need to see more shots down the field. And Colt McCoy wasn't really capable of doing that. We know Daniel Jones ended up getting hurt in Cincinnati. And when he came back and he played, he just was not the same guy. Colt McCoy ended up uh, filling back in and against Cleveland. And, you know, they were able to move the ball. And I think a lot of it was because of Freddie Kitchens. But Colt McCoy, he's, he's more of a processor. He's somebody who's going to be able to put your offense into optimal positions against the defense that he sees, but he's not somebody who's going to be able to push outside the numbers from the far hash or push the ball more than like, you know, 35 yards down the field in a, in a more accurate manner. Mike Glennon isn't overly accurate, but like you said, man, he can really bomb the ball and that could, that could benefit Darius Slayton. If he ever ends up getting into the game, it could benefit Evan Ingram, but he makes some boneheaded mistakes, man. Mike Glennon, he does. He makes it be like, oh, how did you not see that safety right there? Like, what do you, you know, so there's definitely a give and take with that, but I would rather be a little bit more aggressive than a little bit more conservative. Yeah, and I really think Jason Garrett would like to be as well. You know, his whole career as an offensive coordinator or a head coach, he has really based his offenses around that old air choreal attacking mm -hmm. vertical uh, philosophy. And yeah, you know, we saw that the first couple weeks last year, but the Giants just didn't really have the pieces in place. And I think the lack of a real X receiver was one of the biggest missing pieces why they had to transition to a lot more of that Pat Shermer West Coast style offense where they were just doing half field reads, uh, one, maybe three step drops, uh, keeping the ball maybe five to seven yards downfield and playing that same style of offense. I think they really would want to, and I think it's a big want of Jason Garrett's to concentrate on attacking vertically like when he had Terrell Owens and then Des Bryant and Amari Cooper and all of those guys now he got that X receiver again 
And I think the one takeaway here from the Mike Glennon signing is a complete swing in the opposite direction of what you can have with a backup quarterback. You guys talked about how Colt McCoy, less of an arm. He's a little bit more uh, analytical. He's going to be able to, to be a lot more smarter in his decision-making. And we saw that when he was able to step in, but not necessarily the elite thrower of the football that is going to be able to stretch the field. And now here we are with Mike Glennon, who necessarily isn't going to make these uh, you know, pinpoint tight throws and, and make really, really smart decisions with the football, like you said, Nick. Instead, we're just getting a big arm who hopefully he doesn't have to step in. Hopefully this is just a spot player if something happens where Daniel Jones has to come out for the end of a series. But I, I think we're all hoping that Daniel Jones ends up starting every single game this year and doesn't really miss any time because I would honestly prefer not to have to put Mike Glennon out there on the field at any point. But the third guy we have is Clayton Thorson, who is it pretty safe and easy to say that I don't think uh, Clayton Thorson is going to make this roster, a guy that came out of Northwestern a few years ago. I just don't really see anything about him that really makes a lot of sense for keeping around a third quarterback, especially because of all the defensive backs, all the receivers on this roster. I really don't see a situation where Clayton Thorson isn't more than just a camp arm. I was say, uh, speaking of players we really don't want to see on the field when it matters. Uh, yeah, I'm right there with you with Clayton Thorson. I would expect that he is a camp arm, and if the Giants are actually looking for competition at the backup quarterback spot, that guy isn't on their roster right now, and that could be a position we look at around the time teams start cutting players where you know maybe some guy on the back end of pretty stacked roster gets let go just in the numbers game and we could see the Giants put in a waiver wire claim or maybe sign him and then go for you know try to stash a guy in the practice squad something like that yeah that's what that's exactly what Clayton Dorson is he's going to be practice squad type guy and they'll probably look to upgrade on him if somebody they like is is released from another football team but I'm guessing they like his character his work ethic and what he provides from that standpoint maybe a mental standpoint because on the field you know even back when he was at Northwestern it wasn't an eye-popping type of situation when he went down to the senior bowl it wasn't like that either he ended up getting drafted in the fifth round by the philadelphia eagles but i don't envision him seeing the field as a new york giants starting quarterback if something were to happen to mike lennon or daniel jones i think they'll bring somebody else in yeah not really a, a, a terrible option to have as a third quarterback but just situationally with this this roster it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for them to carry a a third quarterback on this team so the expectation probably not going to be making it um, not really much of a surprise there, just considering how much he's bounced around and, and how he has not really stuck anywhere uh, throughout his career in the NFL over the, the past few seasons. Coming up, we're going to talk about headlines that we're going to be watching, specifically those surrounding starting quarterback Daniel Jones. Before we get to that, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software for everything from space exploration and green energy 
to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. So the first headline, and we spent a little bit of time in the beginning of the show talking about this, is how well do we think Daniel Jones is going to perform in 2021? We mentioned some of the weapons that were brought in, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney. You can also mention that they brought in John Ross and Kyle Rudolph. All of this money and attention, all of this capital was spent on improving the offense for Daniel Jones. Not a ton done to the offensive line, but it seems like the goal has been to put as much around Daniel Jones in year three as possible and to see if he can finally succeed. So what do you guys think here? Do, you, do we think that he is going to take those serious steps forward? Do we think that, and I know it's crazy to throw out the Josh Allen comp, do we think that we're, we're, we can see a, a Josh Allen type progression or is this going to maybe be a slight step forward and just a simple improvement and he's more of a game manager in 2021? Game manager is such a negative connotation as well, but I think it's more of the latter probably. And it's more just because I think Josh Allen's potential with the arm strength that he has with just his build and just the overall physical nature of him is just so much higher than Daniel Jones potential. And yeah, Jones is 6'5", he's 221 pounds. But if you just look at Josh Allen, you look at him run the football and then you watch Daniel Jones run the football, there's a difference in in athleticism there. I think Daniel Jones is a, is a vertically... A capable athlete, and he's he's very very athletic from that standpoint. But you don't see him juking people out and making people miss and just running people over like you see Josh Allen doing. So from that standpoint, a little hesitant, but I still think he could take a step forward. And you must take a step forward from whatever you did last year because it was not a great year for Daniel Jones last year within his first year in a truncated offseason within Jason Garrett's system. He had 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I think he can take a substantial step from that standpoint, but to get to a Josh Allen level, that MVP level, I think that's a little bit too much of an ask, but I still believe that taking a step forward is definitely something that he can do and he should do with all the weapons that we've gone over. And I think we saw positive signs of progression last year. He was getting through reads a little bit quicker, getting the ball out of his hands, maneuvering the pocket much better than he did in his first year. And these are little things that don't show up in the stat sheet that I feel like I saw, especially down the stretch of the season until he got injured. So if he can build upon that, then we're looking at, hey, this could be a guy that we can go into the future with, but I don't think it's a given. Yeah, I I've seen a lot of Giants fans bringing up Josh Allen and more than a few writers as well. And I think we really need to just throw that comparison away because I'm not sure any quarterback has taken the leap 
that Josh Allen mm-hmm. did last year from what they were as a college player, what they were in their first year or two to the level he played at last year. And quite frankly, I'm not even sure Josh Allen is going to be able to sustain that. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he regresses back down, maybe not to where he was as a rookie or a sophomore, but he does take a step back next year, which yeah, that I think is for another podcast, maybe one not focused on the Giants. Uh, as for Daniel Jones, I think we should expect him to take a step forward. Like Nick said, he did improve on some of the little things that you don't necessarily see in the stat sheet, particularly the raw stats where it's just uh, completions, completion percentage, uh, yards, touchdowns, and interceptions, things like that. You, what Daniel Jones did improve on, you don't really see there. I think he does still have a ways to go. Maybe not the ways to go he had when he came into the league, but there's still improvements he can and really should be making. Uh, He does still have a bit of a tendency to get stuck on certain reads, particularly further down in the progression. Uh, There are times where he can start to, uh, we'll say telegraph, where he's going to go with the ball. Those are things that hopefully with more experience in this system, more experience with Jason Garrett, he he won't be doing as much. And, you know, he could do a better job seeing the defense. I I don't want to see any plays like the one at the end of the Pittsburgh game where he just kind of heaved it up into three or four defenders because he might have saw a flash of blue. You know, I I don't think we can see that. I don't think the, the Giants can afford to see that this coming year. I think the question is really, is he who he has been or can he keep taking those steps forward, keep piling on good days of practice, you know, little incremental improvements until it is a legitimate step forward and a a significant step in the right direction. And and for me, you mentioned all these things here with Daniel Jones, how we, we saw incremental improvements last year. The situations weren't necessarily perfect. His receivers that he had last year aren't even comparable to what he has now going into 2021. You'd also assume that the offensive line, despite the question marks at the interior, is going to be at least slightly better than last year if if Parrott and Andrew Thomas progress and improve going into their second years. Maybe Nate Solder finds his way somewhere onto that offensive line, which I don't know how that would exactly work with three tackles. But I think for me, the big question mark now is... Can Daniel Jones improve upon not turning the ball over as much? And I know that sounds like such a simple concept, but that feels like what has held him back the most. And Chris, you, you, you just spent some time talking about this, how he, he tends to get stuck on, on, on certain reads. He tends to telegraph some of his decision-making. He tends to uh, get ahead of himself. And like we saw so many times on that damn stick route to... Evan Ingram, where he just kept turning the ball over on that play, and uh, you you can blame some of that on Evan Ingram, but at what point do you say stop throwing that route? It's clearly not working. But uh, you know, I think that that ends up being right now the 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 major issue for Daniel Jones is does he actually come into this 2021 year and does he go through the entire season with a decrease in the amount of poor decisions that he makes with the football and the amount of turnovers that he's had? You talk about getting through the season. I think that's also a thing he needs to do. You know, he had injuries in college. He's had injuries his 
first two years in the NFL. Talk about just simple things. Get, playing 16 games would be a good start. So we don't have to see Mike Glennon. We don't have to even think about maybe uh, taking Clayton Thorson off of couch reserve to back up Mike Glennon. That would not be that would not be fun. But no, uh, Daniel Jones, he has to clean up those turnovers. Chris, you said it well, man. Sometimes he does get just locked on. I feel like there were times uh, that season where we saw him quickly get through his progressions, find the check down, get the ball out of his hand before he got killed. And we didn't see that as much in year one. And that is a good step forward. But he'll still just hold on to that, wait just a little bit too long to see if like Darius Slayton is able to create that extra separation and then that's just long enough for him to either force a bad ball into tight coverage or get hit so there's still a lot of things he needs to improve on i honestly believe it's a consistency thing as well because when he gets his legs working and he gets his processing going you 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 see glimpses of the quarterback that okay yeah i can we can roll with this guy we can get behind this guy it's just it hasn't necessarily all come together like we saw in the tampa bay game man and it was prime time everybody got to watch it he was able to lead the team help lead the team down the field but how many mistakes did he make in that game the giants should have won that game in prime time television against the tampa bay buccaneers but he just made so many errors and you can't have those games randomly and he'll have one or two of them here or there like you said he made some bad throws against Pittsburgh which I do believe Jason Garrett was a uh, Jason some of Jason Garrett's play designs were, were horrendous in that in that week one game the one on the goal line where Bud Dupree was an unblocked defender it was just a horrendous play call to even put Daniel Jones throwing in his opposite throwing with his <laughs> rolling in the direction opposite of the way he could throw the football with Bud Dupree in pursuit that was terrible and the wide stick option play that Evan Ingram that you guys were talking about I mean you just telegraph that play all the time. It's, oh, it's second and six. I wonder what play they're running. And then that's a problem with Daniel Jones, problem with Evan Ingram, but it's also a problem with Jason Garrett. So I think all those things, uh, it's collective guilt, <laughs> you know, and they all need to uh, improve upon themselves. And if they do, then they'll all get better together. And that's what I think all the Giants fans want. Hey, ultimate team sport. <laughs> right. You're right. So the opposite angle now, I think, is does Daniel Jones coming into 2021, if he – not coming into 2021, rather. I, I think, depending on how he finishes the season, they're going to, I feel, give him at least the benefit of the doubt going into 2022. But if he does not finish the season in a in a respectable fashion, not showing improvement, let's just say that he doesn't progress in the ways that we just talked about, still is turnover-ridden, maybe throws from, for more yards and touchdowns, the Giants don't reach the playoffs. Do then at that point, do we say, all right, Daniel Jones, you are on the hot seat. This is a Mitchell Trubisky type situation where we might bring in some competition. We are not going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We are not going to sign you to that fifth year option. And then if you are not performing it the way that we hope you could at the, the end of that fourth year, you're done and we're bringing in a rookie quarterback. And as I was saying earlier, guys, I think as much as we can talk about how we should see an improved Daniel Jones with all of the changes around this team overall as much as we should see an improvement at the same time I think the pressure is even higher for Daniel Jones the expectation needs to be that he will improve because after all the the amount of capital that they put into this offense over the offseason and how good this defense can be going into the second season under Patrick Graham it has to be a, a, a huge step forward type of an expectation because otherwise it's like, how can you not perform better with everything that was done for you? Yeah, I think if the Giants just kind of keep treading water and stay in that, well, hold on, I, ha I have to redo my season math, but we'll say four to seven win territory and 
especially if Jones stays kind of the quarterback he has been for the last three years, going back to that last year at Duke, you know, at that point, he really is in the Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky range of quarterbacks. And at that point, I I also think the Giants will have undergone a general manager shift. And if they bring in a new GM, if Dave Gettleman isn't the one making the decisions and, you know, going back a a little bit to our last mailbag episode, this looks like it could be a good quarterback class coming out. I think then all bets could be off, especially if Dave Gettleman is not in the big seat, because if they have a new general manager, he's going to want to get his guy. And the Giants could be in a position where there are three or four, you know, really quality first round quality quarterbacks available. So I think that does put pressure on Daniel Jones, especially with everything the Giants have invested into him. Absolutely. Especially your point with Dave Gettleman. I mean, the Giants, they could find themselves in a New York Jet situation with the, they just did with Sam Darnold. I don't know if they'll have a trade partner for Daniel Jones, but the Giants also have that extra draft capital. So even if they do end up winning like seven games and, you know, looking like they may pick around like 13 or something like that, they can use the Bears pick. Who knows what they're going to do? And then they can trade up to get somebody that they like and just reset the quarterback clock. The rest of the team is young enough where everything else should be in place where resetting the quarterback position isn't knocking the team back to square one. And honestly, I think that that's what makes it so comparable to the Bears situation where they have an elite defense, the defense that brought them to the playoffs last year. That, that's the only reason why they were as good as they were last season was because of Khalil Mack and company surrounding him. And you know how good, how well coached that defense is is a big reason why they've been successful. So if it comes to a point where the quarterback's not getting the job done, they might need to say, hey, you know, we need to find a, a placeholder for a season and then try to start over after that. That that's why I keep drawing to the Trubisky era, you know, area of territory. And I think that Blake Bortles one also is interesting too, because they go from an elite defense poor quarterback play to eventually being frustrated and it not working out with Bortles. I think either of those are, are really comparable that you need to figure something out really quickly. And if, if Daniel Jones doesn't end up taking that progression, like we're all talking about here, they're going to need to scramble to figure something out. You know, maybe Mike Lennon's the guy that does that. <laughs> oh, jeez, Come on, Joe. what are we doing here? <laughs> he, he just loves getting that mail. Right, right. All right, guys, that's going to be it for us on today's episode, talking about the quarterback room. Expectations are high for Daniel Jones. The pressure is also high. We're going to move on to talking running backs for our next show next week. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review to stay up to date. Head to BigBlueView.com for more Giants news and analysis, and then follow us on social media at BigBlueView on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for tuning in, folks. We'll talk to you soon, and enjoy the rest of your week.